Welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, the show that curates the streaming media industry news that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the factual data you need to know without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn, along with my co-host Mark Donegan, and we are back after just a little bit of hiatus there is uh has some traveling coming up but mark we've got some we've got some good things to focus on today and the two main things are going to be the netflix streaming event chris rock comedy special and the second is going to be some very interesting comments from disney ceo as well as some other streaming ceos from a uh, tech media telecom conference that we had last week so mark maybe let's just jump in with netflix were you yeah, able to watch the in. live stream? Were you able to check it out? You know, unfortunately not. Uh, not because I didn't want to or, you know, I just uh, schedules didn't work out. So so I, I was able to watch it uh, from three different locations, actually, because I was traveling amongst three different locations during the event, which I thought was actually helpful because I was using different ISPs throughout the way. Uh, so a couple interesting things that I saw, you know, first and foremost, I thought the video quality was really great. And by quality, I mean just in terms of uh, the max bit rate. Uh, I did not listen to it. I had audio off the entire time, so I can't comment on the audio. Yeah. But the video looked really good. The biggest problem I had and what I commented on Mark Online was just the fact that for some of my devices I was watching it on, you couldn't actually find the event. It didn't actually mm. come up as the first thing when you when you went into Netflix. So I was I was scanning Twitter in real time. And I threw up on LinkedIn, I think it was eight or nine additional people uh, So who, who couldn't find it either. So there were a lot of comments on Twitter about it not being the, the, the first thing and you had to search for it. That seemed kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. They'll get that figured out, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know the background on that. Now, also interesting, yeah. it was only certain devices. It wasn't mm. all devices I was playing it back mm. on. But saw a lot of that. Uh, I did watch Twitter comments the entire time as much as I could keep up on them. There were so many coming in. Uh, But I was looking at the ones that were going directly to Netflix or if they were asking for support. And I didn't see anyone other than a handful of people comment about any technical issues. There's always going to be an issue with an app problem or having to reload or restart. But I, I didn't really see any issues there. I didn't see a lot of comments from people. One thing I did love, Mark, is in the upper right-hand corner, in their player, uh, they had an option for you to click on it and give feedback if you were having a problem. And they basically Mm -hmm. put the feedback into four buckets to start. Is it a buffering and loading problem? Is Mm -hmm. it a problem with subtitles and captioning? Is Mm -hmm. it an audio-video problem in terms of you can't hear or see it? Or is it Mm -hmm. another issue of some kind? And then they, they had basically a drop down and then you could just type in whatever you wanted to give them feedback. And I thought that was, mm-hmm. that was really cool. Collecting information in real time. Yeah. Very cool. Not just relying on client side metrics, sure. but actually from, from mm-hmm. individuals. And then Mark, the other thing I noticed was just the quality of the stream across multiple devices. I did end mm-hmm. up getting to look at it. Uh, on other devices in someone else's home I was in. So I actually got to see it on Roku, a Samsung LG TV. I had my Apple TV and my own iPhone with me. I had it on desktop because I had my MacBook. So mm-hmm. there were a few comments of titles, not available errors. People were showing screenshots of, but but otherwise I would say a very successful event. Now, 
is it successful in terms of traffic, in terms of viewership? We don't know. Netflix has not given out any details. Yeah. Don't know if they're going to. Um, no, no idea in that regard. Uh, I did talk to some ISPs in the U.S. specifically afterwards. Mm. Many of them reached out to me and they they gave me uh, information in terms of what they were seeing. Uh, interesting, too, in that initially when Netflix was, was going to distribute this, they were not going to use their Open Connect appliances. Uh, and not everyone from an ISP standpoint has a lot of, uh, you know, provisioned private peering capacity with them. So originally they weren't going to use the caches uh, since most of those caches are just basically loaded up with new content in the off hours. But then they did say they were going to use the, ca- the caches. So everything did work out well. The appliances worked fine as they expected. The ISPs that I talked to, there was three total. I'm not going to name them, but the three total uh, ISPs said, quote, network traffic was down overall this weekend or quote, Netflix traffic was up about 5% this weekend compared to last weekend. So Mm. none of the ISPs I talked to in the U.S. saw any large jump in Netflix traffic. Uh, They noticed some small or kind of even compared to us traffic uh, compared to the week before uh, the weekend before. So how do we use that to judge a successive event? It's a little hard as a metric, but what they're saying is they didn't see any drastic change coming across our network. Also, we think about mm-hmm. what time period it was started at 10 PM pre-show was nine 30 on a Saturday. I mean, you know, Mark, you're in the industry and you weren't watching it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, if you're reporting, it was, it was hard to find. Um, there's, you know, gotta be just regular viewers who would have liked to have watched, but didn't even know it was available. So true. It could be that uh, I showed screenshots of what I was getting. Uh, when I yeah. would log into the Netflix app and it was advertisements for fashion shows and even exciting TV shows that they list underneath, uh, it didn't mm-hmm. come up at all. So it was really hit or miss. Uh, Netflix did not comment on, on what that was from or what caused it. Yeah. I traded some emails with them. I'm not going to use the information they gave me, but uh, that was, that was not brought up. So I, I don't know what happened there, mm-hmm. but, but overall I would call it successful. Also, I think Mark is important to point out. You know, some people in the industry, when Netflix first announced this, that they were going to do the live event, similar to how when Netflix announced they were going to do an AVOD service with ads, was like, man, Netflix can't yeah. do this. It's going to take years yeah, to build exactly. out a CDN. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's so complicated to do live video. <laughs> like, they don't, they can't handle the traffic. Like, come on, folks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is Netflix. I'm not yeah. saying it's easy. Delivering video quality with scale takes a lot of work. But yeah. as you saw, Netflix prepped for almost a year for this. Had everything ready to go. They're doing testing. So successful. They'll have some more events coming up. Uh, Mark, it also sounds like just from the indication I've been given that they will talk more openly about how they set this up, mm-hmm. how they delivered it from a technical standpoint, some of the encoding and whatnot. So I think that's great when that comes out, um, maybe the next month, if not towards the end of the year, they yeah. will definitely be uh, more open about it, which which I think is amazing for everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you've already reported on this. Of course, the news, there was a, a press release back in November about um, their adoption of GPAC. But, um, you know, I think this also is really is really key, you know, that they now have a single workflow that can accommodate their VOD as well as their live uh, yes. distribution well, of content. And 
And so, so they're going to be coming actually to the NAB Streaming Summit doing a presentation. By they, I mean Netflix and mm-hmm. Motion Spell uh, presenting how they're doing packaging. Uh, they're not going to talk to the Chris Rock live special specifically. So don't expect sure. anything just about that one event. But Netflix is coming. They're doing a technical presentation of what they've built out with the GPAC stuff. So that, that should be really interesting. Uh, and Mark, I'll cover at the end of this podcast just some additional content that's coming to the summit. I did announce today on LinkedIn, Twitter, all over. Uh, just the, mm-hmm. the, the, the link is live now for the entire Streaming Summit program. So if you get nabshow.com slash streaming, you can now see large, large portion of the speakers. Probably 90% of all the content is up. I'd say probably 60% of the speakers, if not more. There's probably another 20 going up this week. Mark, I still haven't gotten you up, so we've got to get you on on that session as well. So there, there's more speakers yeah. going up in the next few days, but all the content is there. And there's some there's some unique uh, sessions as well. Mm. So we'll, we'll, we'll highlight that there at the end. Uh, Mark, another piece of information here, a uh, piece of news that came out, unfortunate, but not surprising, was there was another round of layoffs. Or sorry, mm. correction. I should say there was a round of layoffs at Sirius XM. Mm. So another another media slash content slash broadcast company doing layoffs. So Sirius XM announced they would lay off 475 employees, which is about 8% of their workforce. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're doing this is, quote, the investments we are making in the business this year, coupled with today's uncertain economic environment, requires us to think differently about how our organization is structured. Mm. So pretty much what everybody else is saying, changing with the times, restructuring yeah. the org a little. Yeah. So n- not too surprising. Also, if you watched SiriusXM, they had done a really large round of, of hiring over the last 18 months. So Yeah, they aggressively expanded. Very much so. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. We've got some real interesting Disney stuff to cover, uh, but maybe we'll jump into for a minute. I saw that TikTok announced uh, a new video format called Series, and they're allowing currently only select content creators Mm. to share videos up to 20 minutes in length that are going to be available for purchase behind a firewall, sorry, behind a paywall. Mm. But Mark, check this. Individual creators are able to charge anywhere between a dollar and $190 for their content. $190. So I want to know who's producing a 20 minute video that things are getting $190 for it. I don't know. Is, is, is this an only only fans competitor? <laughs> I, I don't know what this is. It's just the blog kinda. post announcing it is kind of kind of strange because it doesn't say who it's targeting. Yeah. It just says talents and those that are creating premium content. Hmm. So they are saying this is going to help the community share more authentic stories. And I do understand that having a longer format does help tell a story in many cases. I would agree yeah, with that. Absolutely. But sure. one series, as they call it, Mark, can include up to 80 videos and each video could be 20 minutes long. Hmm. So I don't know why you would want to have up to 80 videos at 20 minutes. Because if we do the math on that, that is 26.6 hours of content. That's a long story. That, 
That's a, that's a long story. That, I mean, that's a lot of content. I'm not listening to that story. <laughs> so the, the blog post was was kind of kind of strange uh, because then they also talked about they're going to create a safe and welcoming environment with this. And I'm like, All right, I don't. How is that any different from uh, a 10 second video? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what's more safe about a 20 minute video right. versus I don't that understand. I paid 190 dollars so, for versus? Uh, and that was it. That was all second. the blog post said. Yeah. Uh, it okay. also said that they will open it up down the line. They didn't say when for others to sign up. Hmm. Uh, but today it's it's only limited uh, in terms of, of who they're working with. And they also didn't say, they just said select creators. They didn't list who the creators are. They didn't say the type of content. So for all we know, this is, hey, look, they're testing it. Maybe this doesn't work. They realize this is in the right format. Go to market um strategy with with content you have to pay for so maybe they don't roll it out to everybody but yeah from a dollar to 190 dollars yeah that is the uh that is the price point so let's go into disney here so there was a morgan stanley tmt conference tech media telecom conference mm-hmm. about a week ago uh, by the time people are listening to this was last week and you had the ceo of of disney and a lot of other media entertainment broadcast companies speaking. So a lot of great content came from it. On the Disney side, it's really interesting to see what Bob Iger said, in particular when it came to pricing. So for Mm -hmm. Disney Plus, he said, quote, one of the key things we have to figure out is a pricing strategy that makes sense. In our zeal Mm -hmm. to grow global subs, I think we're off in that pricing strategy, end quote. So we know old Bob and new Bob uh, definitely didn't agree on some of the, the pricing and bundling strategy. Mm-hmm. But but interesting to say that they that Bob still thinks that they need to re reprice some of the content in a different way, although he's not indicating what exactly he thinks is off. Yeah, that that was something, and you know, I have to confess, I you know, I didn't, didn't read the entire transcript, uh, but you know, I certainly read the highlights. Did I don't think I saw. I mean, what does it mean? I didn't really see any explanation. You know, I, I assume it means that the price was too low. They need to raise pricing, or that yeah, he what, didn't give an indication, but it was interesting. What, what does it mean that it's off? You know, that, right? That was just because to your point, he did also talk about pricing at the parks, and he felt that they raised yeah. it too much. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was on the park side, but now yeah. Disney Plus, it really sounded like it was about the rate of growth. You mm. know, if you knew the folks inside DSS when they were building Disney Plus from the get go, their model was yeah. the Amazon model. They were told of get big fast. Yeah. Grow at all costs. Get to every country. Roll as fast as you can. All the other things around building in churn and retention and some other things about engagement, you know, monetization, those were kind of afterthoughts or Mm. to this day still aren't there because the the focus was get big fast. Yeah. And, And he made a comment on that. He said, I saw, okay, quote, we grew at such a meteoric rate. We're not going to see that kind of growth trajectory going forward. This is for Disney+. Plus." But in yeah. many of the markets outside the United States that we've launched in, it's still very, very new. And mm-hmm. I think that there's sub-growth ahead, particularly as we get more consistent in terms of our content delivery. And by that, he doesn't yeah. mean Mark CDN infrastructure. He yeah. means just the content catalog. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. And, you know, to that point, he he made an interesting statement about the Marvel um, uh, characters and, you know, kind of the whole um, uh, content model of, you know, going back and making all these, uh, you know, second, third, fourth uh, movies around the same characters. Right. And I saw somewhere that there are seven thousand Marvel characters that they could that they could cover. That they what? can tell stories about seven thousand. How's that possible? Seven thousand. Yeah. Now, granted, it, it, you know, I assume somebody has gone out and looked across all of the comic books and all of the, you know, the, you know, there's probably some which you know no one even knows about that are in that number. Um, but Bob did make a very interesting comment that you know he 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 just thinks. In fact, I think he even called out uh, some of the characters. Uh, specifically and like you know how how many times do you need to make a movie about iron man or black widow you know or captain america it's like you know maybe we need to go to some some other characters so yeah I, that was fascinating I, you know, he said yeah quote, or is it time to turn to other characters yes yes exactly now mark exactly. I, I had to check yes. your number here because that just seemed so crazy to me and your number is actually off it's more than you thought there's it's more than 7,000? Yeah, there's almost <laughs> now more than 8,000 main characters, mm. including villains, heroes, supporting characters with Crazy. no superpowers. This is from Disney site, so I trust it. <laughs> but man, who would have known? <laughs> who would have known? <laughs> so. that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, also, did you see his comment on Star Wars? I, I, thought, I saw a headline, but I, I don't think I read what he said. So what he said, I'm paraphrasing here. Wars, I don't yeah. have the quote, but he said that the, the yeah. movie Solo was directly responsible for slowing down the production of Star Wars films because it was disappointing to them. So mm -hmm. it gave them a, a pause and they were saying that maybe their cadence was a little too aggressive. So mm. he said, quote, we decided to pull back a bit. Hmm. That's, that's very interesting because Star Wars, if you think about just... You know, to me, yeah. that's that's the shiny jewel that they have of, of everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. On yeah. on price increases, Mark, he, he did indicate that he thinks prices need to go up for some things. But to your point, there was no indication to what degree. Yeah. So we just we just don't know, especially because theme parks and hotels, he said, yeah. were way too high. So, yeah. It's it's a little hard to figure out what exactly that means, but we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Now, let's go into Hulu. <laughs> a lot of interesting stuff happening around Hulu. So when it came to Hulu, he said, quote, we're really studying the business very, very carefully. All those competitive dynamics with an understanding that we have a good platform in Hulu. But the environment is very, very tricky right now. And before we make any big decisions about our level of investment, our commitment to that business, we under, want to understand where it could go. Mm. That's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Because what he's saying is they are now much more open to what may or may not happen to Hulu, whether or not they keep it, whether or not they sell mm -hmm. it off. Maybe they bundle it in that content with Disney Plus and get rid of the Hulu brand. Obviously not the live piece. Mm -hmm. They can't do that. But Yeah, sure, sure. They are way more open with with the potential of what Hulu turns into compared to where they were. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I think the most interesting part there is just on the Hulu side, 
they're going to have to cut Hulu Live. I don't see how they're going to keep that. I just don't. I mean, I've said that before, but yeah. now that they're really looking at how do they get the most out of Hulu, how can they expand? So for those that don't know or can't remember, because it, it changed a little bit over the years, Disney owns 66% of Hulu currently, mm-hmm. and Comcast owns the remainder. Yeah. That's basically how, how the deal's uh, structured. And there's a deal in place in terms of buying it back from Comcast and whatnot. But now that that Iger, and he was on CNBC, and he said, quote, everything was on the table with regards mm-hmm. to the ownership of Hulu. Uh, he also said, Mark, and we talk about this all the time, debt and profitability are poo. Uh, on CNBC, he also said, quote, we are intent on reducing our debt. Yeah. I've talked about general entertainment being undifferentiated. I'm not going to speculate if we're a buyer or seller of Hulu, but I'm concerned about undifferentiated general entertainment. We're going to look at it very objectively, end quote. Mm-hmm. So hmm. something's going to happen soon because mm-hmm. Disney and Comcast uh, struck a deal in 2019, 2000, yeah, 2019, where Comcast can force Disney to buy or Disney can require Comcast to sell the other 33% in Hulu. And the time frame for that is uh, January 2024. Hmm. And the guaranteed minimum, minimum equity value of Hulu at that time is going to be $27.5 billion. Mm-hmm. So that's about $9.2 billion for the stake. So if Disney's yeah. trying to reduce debt... <laughs> It cut costs and all of a sudden has to fork out at least nine point two yeah. billion dollars. Yeah. Uh that's that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. So uh we're gonna have to watch this one. Uh somebody also asked during the the, the conference, well, you have this deal for twenty twenty four, but like well, can you guys do something sooner? Uh, and Bob did did say, quote, I'd like nothing more than to come up with a solution for an early agreement. But that mm-hmm. takes two parties to come up with something that is mutually agreeable. So they're obviously interested in it. Discussions are going on. Um, but but unknown what is going to be the, the future of Hulu going forward. Mm-hmm. So one to watch. Uh, there were not many comments to wrap this one up on ESPN. Uh, the the only thing that we do know is is that Bob has made it clear that he believes ESPN should stay with Disney, and that there was no discussions about sure. a sale or spinoff taking place. So we haven't we haven't heard anything about that. There are a lot of people speculating that you know Comcast could just buy all of Disney, and they could bundle all of that content in with Peacock TV, mm-hmm. and now make Peacock basically supercharged for content. Yeah. So. Would that work? I don't know from a content standpoint. I'd have to look at the catalogs. But if you think about mm-hmm. Peacock having, let's see, the last number they gave out was 20 million paying subscribers. And Hulu has just under 50 million. Yeah. Uh, could could be an interesting combination there. But keep in mind, too, that both of those services are only based in the U.S. And the biggest thing we've seen, whether it's Disney, Paramount, Warner Bros. Discovery, mm-hmm. everything is around Growing internationally. Yeah. So I don't absolutely. know how well that would work if yeah. you're combining two services that are only in the U.S. Mark, how well do you know the Peacock content lineup? I, I don't actually know it that well, but 
um, I think you're bringing up a really good point because it, it would be easy to say, well, that's not a big deal. They, you know, they can just hire a team or, you know, maybe there's even some some folks on the content development side. They can go out and strike deals, you know, country by country and, you know, they could do it. Right. But as we know, you know, it's a very different you go country by country. It's a whole different set of, you know, negotiations and and, and of commitments and you really have to be committed to wanting to expand globally. True. Um, and, and, you know, obviously anybody could, you know, they could strategically say this is it, but it's not just an issue of quote unquote doing the deals, you know, like, oh, they could do it. They just need to go do the deals. Boy, that is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a valid and, point. And, 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 and so my, I think you're raising a, a very interesting, you know, point is like, Okay, is the U.S. market sufficiently uh, large, you know, really at the end of the day, um, you know, for this to be a one plus one equals more than two, you know, and if it's one plus one equals two, well, what, you know, what do you get by combining them? And him calling it undifferentiated content, I I thought that was now. Yeah. Is he also downplaying, though, that just because then maybe the value of. Hulu looks well, lower exactly. when they go to buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some, I mean, some interesting you know, things, things. There's in that gamesmanship and especially a guy like the guy like Bob Iger. I think he's a master, right, of gamesmanship. Of course, so, and just I mean, negotiation. Why did he? Why did he come back? You know, he he was bored sitting on his yacht. So <laughs> it's like you know, I'm I got to get back in the game. I'm so. also wondering, Mark, just. If we see something interesting happen with BAMTech, and I call it BAMTech because of mm. when they bought it, in terms of if they yeah, do some interesting right. write-downs there, sure, because there is sure. definitely, I won't go into a lot of detail here, but there's definitely some some technology from that days internally at Disney that mm-hmm. is no longer being used or going to be used going forward, and mm-hmm. some of that is legacy. And yeah. I wonder if they're going to take a charge on that in terms of writing that down. Uh, this year, be interesting to see if that happens because they spent a couple billion dollars on that. I forget how much exactly, but be interesting to see that in the balance sheet. Uh, one other piece, Mark, too, I forgot is is we'll cover quickly is uh, Warner Bros. Discovery. Uh, they announced they're going to have a, a media event April twelfth to talk mm-hmm. about their new packaging. Uh, everybody's saying that HBO Max is going to be called Max. That's going to be the new the new branding. Yeah. They have not confirmed that as of yet. But a lot of people are reporting that. And the packaging and pricing, uh, so some people say they've they've seen access, gotten access to it and actually seen it in presentations. Hmm. Uh, and the numbers that are being put out is that an, an ad-supported plan will cost $10 per month. And a ads of, uh, ad-free plan will be $15. Okay. And then a what people are calling a premium plan, I don't know if that's the actual name of it, uh, will be $20 a month. And they're reporting that the $20 a month is going to enable you to get shows in as high quality as possible. Interesting, they're not saying mm. 4K, so I don't know how mm. good their information is. I don't personally yeah. know the information. But yeah. if they're saying highest quality possible, it's got to be 4K. So it almost sounds yeah. like they're replicating what Netflix has, which is if you want 4K, you better go up to a higher tier plan. Yeah. Yeah. So ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars a month. 
uh, that, that would be, I mean, that would, that would be expensive pricing at $20. Yeah. 20. So, you know, and then it, it gets back. See. Yeah. It gets, it just gets back into that issue of at what point do, do subscribers just have subscription fatigue? You know, um, I mean, this is a perennial question, right? It, there is the affordability issue. Um, you know, just how much can a household afford to pay for entertainment content? But there's this whole other thing of just, you know, can I pay $80 a month for four services? Yes. But do I, am I getting $80 worth of value? I don't know. You know, so which two am I going to cancel? Yeah, especially and, at $20 a month. Yeah. I mean, you know, but the point is, is that as subscriptions now are clearly swinging past $10, to $15 and then potentially up to $20 and what the average household has, uh, you know, I mean, depending on the surveys, you know, what, five to seven subscriptions, you know, so you're getting up to a hundred dollars a month pretty quick. Yeah. And that's without live and if you're doing live. Yeah. Even yeah. More expensive. Yeah. That, that's going to oh, be yeah, an interesting exactly. one yeah. on April 12th. Cause they're also going to give an update on their, on their fast service, right? They've talked about how they're going to offer some sort of fast, Channels that's and they want right. to compete with Freevee and Pluto and, and others, yeah. but we, we haven't gotten any additional information on that as of yet. And then on the pricing, yeah. others reported, not myself, but others reported that there was all this debate going on internally that, you know, the HBO branding is going to definitely be scrubbed and that's why they're going to call it Max because they want to get rid of the mm -hmm. HBO brand and that insiders at Warner Bros. Discovery, it was being reported that they were concerned about the HBO name because they were saying, you know, that's that's a turnoff to potential potential newer people. And I think that's interesting because if I think of HBO, I still think of original quality programming and content. Yeah. I, I, I don't think of it as a turnoff. However, I wonder if they're targeting a younger generation with a particular type of content. Do they think HBO is like, oh man, that's like that old TV stuff. That's my, that's uh, my parents watch that stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So if you call it Max, that's, okay, this stuff is cooler, but yeah. we don't know the demographics enough. Yeah. So that's, hmm. that's, that's hard to know. Uh, but hmm. the other thing with getting rid of HBO is they've got seven, just over 76 million subs the last time they gave the numbers for, for HBO. Now that keep in mind, that's not just streaming. That's all, all HBO services. That's, that's a lot of people that you're now going to say, Hey, we're going to call this something different. So you're talking branding and naming. Obviously it always gets very interesting in terms of Mm -hmm. what we all think is is good or bad as far as a brand mm -hmm. but i i hope they're doing a lot of uh a lot of testing in the market mm -hmm. to make sure that uh they get that right because as we've seen before yeah. uh, sometimes companies really mess up on the branding side yeah we don't need more weird names yeah so yeah, mark with right. that we're right at 30 minutes which is really good here let me go through yeah. nab streaming summit uh i'm going to highlight just a couple sessions I find really interesting. So here's one mark that I can't wait to see. Volkswagen is coming. And they're going to share a perspective on the recent developments in automotive vehicle app stores and Very talk about cool. how these ecosystems are enabling, you know, a whole bunch of new use cases for media entertainment and cars. They were also mm. talking to me about something coming out later in the year with certain certain models of vehicles where your your seat belts will rumble basically 
depending on what you're watching inside the car or listening to, the lights can change in real time. Fascinating to to see some of what they're talking about. And not that this is the, the thing to reinforce here. This is not future technology, right? The one thing I don't want yeah. them doing is coming talking about this is what the future yeah. of in-car entertainment looks like in 10 years. They're actually going to show stuff that's out today or coming out in the next few months. That are coming out. Wow. So that's going to be, that's going to be really cool. Uh, so the, the company that's coming to do it is Cariad, uh, which is a Volkswagen group company. They're the ones that are doing all the tech. So they're doing a standalone presentation, presenting what they're actually seeing. So that's going to be really, really cool day one. Uh, I did mention we've got uh, Netflix and Motion Spell coming to talking about how they're using GPAC to, to deliver more flexible and better packaging at scale. We've got the Alliance for Open Media coming and talking about latest AV1 commercial readiness. So you're going to have Intel, Meta, NetInt, Netflix. We've got a case study with Sky, how Sky is helping, uh, how Sky is building out a basically a broadcast grade streaming service, but mm-hmm. over the internet. So no longer relying on terrestrial broadcast. Uh, we've got uh, La Liga. They're coming talking about some stuff. Uh, we've got Paramount Plus. We've got BritBox. Uh, Freebie and Amazon Fire TV. They're going to come and talk about some of the latest trends they're seeing around monetization and viewer, enga- uh, viewer engagement when it comes to fast. So that's mm-hmm. cool to have Freebie there Freebie there because they don't, they don't tend to talk too much about what they do. Uh, we've also got yeah. uh, a great case study with uh, MediaKind, Microsoft, and NBA about mm-hmm. building out their new streaming architecture in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, another session on Fast where we'll also have some folks from the TV manufacturers. We'll have Samsung TV Plus and LG there. We've got uh, Fox Sports doing a presentation on building out vi- video delivery. I'm also, Mark, going to do a fireside chat uh, with the chief revenue officer for Zumo. So mm. this this new uh, Comcast and Charter Zumo, which is a JV uh, that yeah. they're going to be launching, they're going to have their own streaming devices, basically three different peers to the business. I'll be doing a fireside chat with their CRO. So very interested in that as well, because uh, we haven't heard too much from them. There was some information mm-hmm. put out last week at the, uh, the um, tech media conference. So we have a little more details on that. We're also going to have an entire session around cross-screen TV targeting and measurement. Mm. Really important, obviously, what we're talking about in terms of measuring what we're seeing. One session that I put together is around, Mark, you were saying, just pricing and bundling and how many options there are in the market. Uh, One session is just going to be around, it's called From Budget-Friendly Consumers to 4K, Bundling and Engagement Mm -hmm. Strategy. Some care about 4K, some don't. Some want subscriptions, some want free. How do you handle that? Uh, we've got a bunch of things around sports, uh, defining the user experience for live streaming. That's a workflow, but we also have one on the business of sports streaming. Mm-hmm. So a lot of great stuff in the program, Mark. Still some still some to put up here and there, but it's it's primarily done. Got a lot of speakers online. So check that out, nabshow.com slash streaming. Monday, April 17th, we'll also be having the happy hour that we have every year. And the nice thing about that is that is available to anybody at the NAB show. As long as you have a yeah. badge of some kind that gets you in that building, yep. you, you can, can come to the cocktail reception. We've got yeah. six or seven sponsors already lined up. So we should, we should have some great drinks and snacks and that'd be a great place to network. Last year we had almost 200 attendees. I expect more than that this year. So 
see anything in the program you have questions on, if you think if you're, if you're going to attend. Uh, what I always do, Mark, with attendees, as you probably know, is if you reach out to me beforehand, I'll help you create a custom program. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, over two days and two tracks. What should you really go to? Well, I'll sit with you or call you on the phone and figure out, okay, what do you want to learn while you're there? Mm-hmm. What's your job? Are you trying to learn more business, technology, trends? So I'll, I'll help you create just where I think you should be in and what session. Uh, we will be recording everything on demand. We will not be streaming it live. Thanks to all the challenges of streaming from a from a venue in Vegas and all the costs yeah. associated with it. But exactly. we will make everything on demand available like we always do uh, right after the fact, within a couple of days. So some great content. And then, uh, Mark, you'll see me starting to promote every single session individually pretty soon on social, actually later this week. So a lot of great stuff coming. Yeah, there we'll, really we'll, is. I we'll promote the session you're on, you know, in the next week's next week's show. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, I have to say Dan, I'm 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 really impressed. I I think it's it's an awesome group of you know, speakers, but you know, in every year there are but the topics are just bang on, you know. Uh, I I just don't see any. And of course you always do a good job at curating. <laughs> but um you know, I'm looking across here going, "Wow, I want to, you know, I want to sit through every one of them." So and yeah, and that's thanks so. to, man, some great submissions this year. You know, one thing I didn't yeah. want to do is just have more panels. We actually have fewer panels this year than ever. I, I love noticed the fact that. that. Yes. I noticed that. Right? Yeah. Like, some panels are great, no doubt. But if sure. we're talking about sure. how to build something, I want Netflix on stage. I want Sky on stage. I want NBA on stage. Yeah. Like, I want them on stage yeah. talking about it. And that's what yeah. they're doing. Show us. Yeah. Don't just tell us. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be great. Sure. And then also, Mark, I am bringing back what we call the streaming experience last year. This year, we're calling oh, yeah. it the OTT demo area because nobody, of course, understood what streaming experience was. So yeah, I was amazed how is. many people were confused, <laughs> you know, by you know, what I you were doing. It's like, honestly, I should have realized that maybe going in, the naming convention wasn't quite right, but I thought they would yeah. understand streaming experience, streaming summit. Sure. They, they sure. didn't understand that. So calling it OTT demo area, demo. it's in one of the zones <laughs> in the West Hall. The branding will be OTT demo area. Like just come demo That's any right. OTT service you want. So uh, I still will have that. I'll have five stations set up of all the usual yeah. devices, no gaming consoles though. Uh, and then I'll have all the streaming services on it. So we'll still have that as well. Anyone wants to check out any streaming service for all four days of the show, come check it out. Come get hands on with it. Uh, these aren't demos. They're like, we'll hand you the remote. Do you want to check it on Roku, yeah. Chromecast, Fire TV? We've got Samsung TV, Vizio, LG TVs all there, Mark, smart TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll also be a couple couple little network receptions taking place there as well. So I'm excited. We're about, uh, wow, we're only f- five weeks out. I know. It's no, less than that. It's, it's less than that. It's time. It's, it's yeah. It's really about four weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but we're we're looking good. Yeah. Everything's looking great. Anyone's any questions? Awesome. Reach out to me in the show. Happy to uh, happy to advise any way I can. So with that, Mark, we're out of time. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, next week uh, we have no earnings, so that's good. So Mark, we'll figure out what to cover next week based on what news comes out. There's also yeah. one or two things I think we could cover from a technology standpoint that we're going to hear coming up at the streaming summit, whether it's ultra low latency or encoding codecs, some of the stuff around yep. that. So probably cover that that week. But you have any questions, uh, reach out to Mark and I on LinkedIn. Everything that we talked about today is already up on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn. So definitely check that out. We appreciate you listening. Have any questions, reach out. Otherwise, have a great week. Talk to you again soon. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. 
Have questions for Dan or Mark? Connect with them on LinkedIn at any time. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.